is Angela Cox and I am the Mindset Mentor and this is the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. Now my aim is to discover and share the secrets of success. You'll hear engaging and uplifting interviews with business leaders at the top of their game, all primed to deliver bucketfuls of value and inspiration. We'll bring practical tips success strategies and golden nuggets of motivation to help you unleash your absolute potential. Now please do like, share and leave a review if you love this podcast. It really does help others to find us. Thanks for listening and let's jump in now and meet this week's fabulous guest. Hello and welcome to the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. Now, today I'm joined by Anne Linsell, and she is Head of Organisational Development for the NHS Foundation Trust. And she's got a wealth of HR experience. I mean, her CV is just HR through and through. She has recently been undergoing some personal development in a completely different area, which she might tell us some things about today. And she's just a genuinely lovely person. Anne, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today. Now, we're still in lockdown at the time we're recording this. We're just about to come out. How are you feeling? About today, I'm very excited. And thank you for that beautiful introduction. I'm not sure I quite recognise myself in there, but yeah, that was lovely. I'm feeling hopeful for the future. I think as we are into spring and we start to see, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel is getting brighter for us all. I think we've still got a journey to go, but yeah, it's exciting. And certainly, you know, such a journey we've all been on in the last 12 months. That's such a nice way of putting it. The light at the end of the tunnel is getting brighter because we're not quite out of the woods yet. And I can't, I can't imagine that we're going to be out of the woods this year, really, in terms of truly getting back to normal. But you're right. There's this kind of sense that there are things changing and and that the the hope is getting brighter as well so I really like that the light is getting brighter it's brilliant now I have got so much that I want to ask you today because particularly working in the NHS you know it'd be really good for us to understand some of the the challenges that you and your teams have have had and sort of what the long-term impacts of that might be because I know you've been doing some work around that But first, we have to start with you. And you know that we always do the shake your pom-poms moment on the podcast. I do, yeah. And so I would love it if you could shake your pom-poms and tell us your three proudest achievements, moments, happenings. And we'll start with the first one and kind of see where that takes us. And then we'll, we'll cover the other two as we go through. Okay, well, this was this was quite hard. And obviously, I've been a big fan of your podcast, and I've listened to them all the way through. So I was like, "Mm, okay, I need to really, I need to really nail this. And it took me a while. But my first one, it's not one thing, actually, it's seven things. And it's the fact that I've somehow I have run seven marathons in the last sort of 10 years. And that, you know, I'm immensely proud of that fact. And just the achievement, you know, it, they weren't 
fast. They weren't, you know, I'm not a record breaker, you know, Mo Farah type, you know, speed. But I've done them. And, you know, when I look at my journey to doing them, I'm so proud. And I've not just done it once. I've done it seven times. It's bonkers. You know, that's the bit that I'm sitting here going, oh, my goodness, I can really relate to, you know, I'm going to go and do a marathon. And, you know, people say that, don't they, without perhaps realizing how much effort goes into the training then the actual doing and then that sense of achievement but most people that you talk to have done a marathon go never again (laughs) did you have the never again moment before you signed Um, up again yeah and 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 I think there's a real psychology in when under normal circumstances when a marathon has finished and you're you're very ecstatic that you've done it and you've achieved it that they get people to sign up straight away the entries for the next year open before you realize that you know actually I've just <laughs> another six months of training and training through the winter and all of that so yeah it's it just happened there was you know there was three of us and we just just you know just kept on doing and then we thought well we'll do one in every country of the UK and da, 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 you know so it was a uh, yeah but I've done now <laughs> <laughs> you've earned those stripes I mean it's an immense achievement and there's there's lots of questions that I've got around it and I guess the first one is that commitment to the training which you know when you read about marathon training it sounds like it's a full-time job mm. on its own how do you find the drive on those mornings when it's pelting down with rain and dark and cold to get up and go for your runs? There are um, two things, I think. The first was I did it with a very good friend and we were on our journey together. So, you know, when we were doing in the long runs or doing the short, you know, six o'clock in the morning runs twice a week, the fact that we were meeting and we'd committed to each other to do them was a huge part of that you know when we you know my friend my friend Ali will say you know we put the worlds to rights and you know we unpicked it and we put it to rights again and, and <laughs> but there, there you know there are the with marathons they say the medals are earned in training and that's so true you know the fact that you've turned up and you've done your 20 miler in the cold and there's no one there but the sheep and the the birds and that's fine you know when you're doing it and you you know I've done London a couple of times and you go down the mall and you've got the crowds going and you just come on you know give me this but there is that feeling of there's a really good quote on it there'll be moments when I don't think I can run a marathon but a lifetime and knowing I did oh I love that and I just love that you know it's it just sort of you know and this is coming from me being a complete non-runner at school and when I you know when I started work I was just completely non-sport anything really to you know to it took me a while to call myself a runner but you know that feeling of crossing the line and knowing you've done it is just incredible I'd call you an expert runner now, having done seven of them. <laughs> I was talking to a client about this yesterday, this idea of she brought this phrase into our session, which is, you know, every expert starts as a newbie. Yeah. And this is so the case with running, because you often hear people say, as you just did, I've never run before. I don't think I can do it. You know, I can't even run around the block. And there must have been a day when you couldn't even run, you know, a kilometer when you first yeah. set off so what would you say to that type of person who's sitting at home going oh I'd never be able to do that 
just you've just got to believe in yourself and trust the journey and the journey is part of the experience so you know I can remember running a couch to 5k and getting to the bottom of the road which is probably about half a mile and being ecstatic that I'd got to the end of the road you know without stopping it's like get me but I think it's that it's that small steps and one of the the things that the whole marathon journey has taught me about health and well-being is that it's the learning the process and the journey is is all part of it so whether you know running or you know I I started like a lot of people open water swimming last year and that's a whole different you know that's a whole different set of learnings and that keeps you active and it keeps you curious and it keeps you learning which is you know it's all part of it but I just would you know you've just got to believe in yourself and believe in the process and you doubt it and it's scary and I remember standing on the start line at the first marathon which was in Berlin and just thinking oh my god you know I I can't do this I'm I'm not gonna be able to do this and just you keep going and and even running a half marathon for the first time was like woo woo you know look at me (laughs) this is what's beautiful about what you're saying you know you said I got to the end of the road and was like yay you know and celebrating that achievement towards the end goal rather than thinking I'm nowhere near the end goal which is what so many of us do you know we get to the end of the road and go oh that was really hard and I'm still you know 27 miles away from where I need to be rather than as you've done yay how cool am I that I've got to the end of the road I think that's the difference in the mindset and I guess that could be the takeaway for people from that pom-pom I think it's awesome. Seven marathons. Fair play to you. I haven't even done one yet. Maybe I will one day. (laughs) Well, I noticed there was a yet in there. (laughs) I always say yet. (laughs) You can't close it off, Anne, can you? You can't close it off. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) Now, what about the second one then? What else have you got? I can't wait. I think the second one is all about, and I was trying to focus, I mean, I work for Northamptonshire Healthcare. And we've, as a trust, I mean, I've worked for them since 2006. And as a trust, we've been on a real journey. And I was trying to articulate which points in that were the most pom-pom moments. And if, you know, if we're talking about my pom-pom moments, but it's not really about me, it's about the team. And, you know, we've gone on a journey from requires improvement to outstanding. But there have been so many points in that journey that have, stood out for me you know last year we put on a you know we had about 70 days to turn a physical well-being festival into a virtual festival with technology that none of us were used to and but we did it with a you know a really multidisciplinary team and we had lots of scratching heads and lots of I don't (laughs) do that and "Mm, yeah well you know but we did it and so for me there's something the role I've played but I keep that very small in terms of being part of Team NHFT and the journey that we've been on, and particularly through the last year. But it was before that, you know. It's been a, it's been a real, you know. It's been years working on our leadership behaviours, working on our values, how how it feels to be a member of the team. Yes. How it feels to be, you know, actually supportive and you get things wrong sometimes and that failing you know that failing you know first attempt in learning but actually that's not works okay so what's that telling us what have we learned so it's not one thing it's that whole you know that whole journey at NHFT has been really 
it's just been really great. It's been hard work. Oh, uh, yeah, obviously, yeah. It's been you know, there's been lots of oh, but it's been very rewarding because actually, what we're there to do is make the difference for the patients and for the families in the county, and that that matters. It does, and you know that sentence you said, how it feels to be part of the team. You know, that's going to feel different for every single individual, isn't it? Because we all experience the same thing in a different way. But the fact that you are curious about finding out how it feels for each individual demonstrates that there is a care there of the people that work with you and for you. And of course, those are the people that are serving the or taking care of the patients and the families that you deal with. And so Mm. you almost have this kind of connection all the way through, which is lovely. And I get a sense that there's this kind of relentless curiosity about everything that you do, actually, where you're kind of constantly pushing the boundary of, you know, what what else could we do? What How could yeah. we do this better? Which is really lovely to hear. And you obviously, you've mentioned the last year and, and some of this stuff goes before that. But I'm, I am keen to just kind of touch on with you what it's been like to be in the NHS. And I know you're not sort of frontline worker in that sense that you're, you know, side by side with COVID Mm. patients, but you must feel the impact of the pressure that the teams have been under. And, and, you know, what's that kind of felt like for you? The overarching feeling is that we're all in it together. And no matter what your role is, whether you're frontline and dealing with with patients whether your clinical services that have been delivered virtually whether your corporate services like we are you know working you know we've been working from home for the last year I think it's the fact that we are all in it together and it's sort of going that that extra mile to make the difference and a lot of the organizational development work for the last 12 months has been focused on well-being absolutely Mm -hmm. undoubtedly I mean we had a big theme of that anyway it was the golden thread that ran through a lot of what we did anyway but it's just become larger during Mm -hmm. this and it will remain that way it won't change because there's an NHS people plan that puts people at the front of everything that we do and that was out before the pandemic and obviously that's still there but it's how we make that difference to supporting that one member of staff just to feel a bit better at work or to feel supported or you know, and we've had over 400 staff that have joined the trust during the pandemic. And some of them have not met anybody physically oh, yeah. in their team. So, you know, we've put a buddy scheme in that talks about, you know, so that they're connecting with somebody outside their team, but just thinking, how's it feeling? What can I help you with? You know, it's that feeling of being a member of the team, but, you know, everybody's valuable. I mean, we have a real distributed leadership approach, which is, you know, everybody's a leader. Corporates can say that, but you've got to feel it on the ground. You've got to mean it and you've got to display it by your actions. So all of those things take a sort of a very, lots of different ways of doing things and lots of, there isn't one size fits all Mm. for well-being and some of the interventions that we've done it's you know it might be good for this team but that team might need something different so it's understanding okay well what is that difference and how can we support it so it's it's felt exhausting <laughs> last 12 months it's been extraordinarily hard work from whatever perspective yeah i think that's the but you know but doing our best for the patients mm. and staff 
And I get a sense that at the moment we're we're still kind of in the eye of the storm. And we were talking a few weeks ago on a call together about the kind of the impact of trauma longer term and some of mm-hmm. the traumatic experiences that you know people on the front line are exposed to every day and and what the longer term implications of that might be. So what are some of the things that you're thinking about in terms of as we start to move out of the pandemic, whether that's in 12 months, two years, whenever it might be, that you think you'll need to do to be able to support people? I think we, you know, we're, we're talking about how we can support people to come back to whatever we come back to, because it's not necessary that it's like for like. Some teams have had far more trauma. You know, for some teams, it's about reconnecting. And just giving people the time and space. So we're certainly now very much into that area of thinking how we recover, how we reconnect, how we restore and how we reset to the new, you know, to to whatever's coming ahead of us, because it will be different. We're all changed by the pandemic and how we support staff with that change. And I've certainly when I've been working with individuals, people have got different priorities now. You know, it's the pandemic has changed what we want what we realise is important and, you know, we've got to think about our workforce, we've got to think about individuals and actually how we support them with that difference. Yeah, it's so true that there is this sense of everybody's, well not everybody, but lots of people have looked at their life as a whole and decided that they want to do things differently. There's a hunch in me that our deep-rooted ways of working and all of those neural pathways that, you know, we've been running for the last however many years they're all still there. And I do have a hunch that there will be a desire at some point to kind of revert back to how we've worked before. But it's almost mm. how do we keep the essence of these learnings and, and this balance that many of us have created? How do we keep that true as we start to move forward? And how can organizations help that? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think the other, you know, one of the things that's come a golden thread that's come through the last 12 months is that it's about offering opportunity for staff to talk about how they're feeling and for, you know, senior leaders to be role modelling that. And, I, you know, I heard on one of your podcasts a few weeks ago, one of the, the interviewees talking about the fact that she wasn't OK and she was stepping back for a couple of days and, and actually yes. modelling that to her team. And, you know, you, there is something about, you know, if you talk about the culture of an organisation, that actually it's OK not to be OK but not just saying that, it's got to have meaning behind it, it's got to be real. And how we support staff in those moments is more telling than anything, really. So it's about, oh. so, you know, we're doing so much work to, you know, to encourage staff to talk and health, you know, I think research has shown healthcare workers are probably least likely to open up and, and talk about things. So it's actually how we engage with those conversations on, on a one-to-one or more formally it's it's just so hard, but also the days when you're just not 100% and you yes. just need to say, actually, this isn't a great day. You know, at the beginning when you said, I've got to nail these pom-poms, you've just nailed the pom-pom in terms of, you know, it's okay to say I'm not okay, but it can't just be something that we encourage people to say. There has to be mm. that follow-on action. Yeah, And that's the bit that's missing in a lot of places because you know, we treat well-being as a tick box exercise and, you know, we'll do an event or we'll, you know, we'll, we'll have an expert in to come and talk to us as a one-off, but it is creating that holistic 
culture within the organization that when someone says that, two things, they're able to say it Mm. and share it. But the person that they're sharing it with equally doesn't then take it on as their problem to solve. Yeah. And that there's a mechanism between the two people that says, I can hear you and I can listen, but it isn't my responsibility to take it on. And I think that's yeah. the fear for most leaders at the moment or, or anyone is if I come and hear you, it then becomes my problem and I've got yeah. enough of my own. <laughs> yeah. So it's how do we kind of, you know, bridge that gap, I suppose. And that's just something to leave hanging in the air, but yeah. it, that's my observation at the moment. Yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, we're learning as we go along, you know, we're taking, you know, lots of best practice, but the one size doesn't fit all is so true to every single team in our organisation yes. in a different place. And, you know, every individual's in a different place. Some people have loved working from home and the balance it's given them. Others have absolutely detested it. And, <laughs> you know, with homeschooling and, you know, all the other stuff, it's been a real challenge. You know, I'm lucky my, my children are, are sort of older, but, you know, I don't colleagues have had a you know a really challenging year with it that's the thing isn't it we're all different in the way that we've experienced it so I I really that's been really useful I think kicking that around and and you know it goes back to this idea that you are part of a team you're leading but equally it's it's a team effort that is creating these shifts in culture these Mm. shifts in way of working that are all contributing to that brighter future and so what would the third prompt be? I can't wait to hear what this one is now. <laughs> well, it's quite, it's quite, you know, it's one that, you know, people often mention, but it's, I suppose for me, it's my, it's my children. I've got three children and it's the fact that, you know, actually being a working mom and keeping my career going throughout the, you know, since I, I had my daughter has been a real challenge. And it's, you know, in, when I was in the private sector, there was some blatant discrimination because I would, yeah. you know, I work part time and, you know, it, it feels like a long time ago now. But it was, you know, actually keeping that balance and keeping my career in HR going or, or even, you know, qualifying and, and then keeping it going whilst having the children has been really balanced. And, you know, there are times it's not been easy, you know, mm-hmm. and, and well-being and, and that stretch of, being mum, being Anne, being, you know, the Anne at work, being, you know, supporting my elderly family as well. It's just, it's really tough. Yeah, no, you know, we've not nailed that yet. <laughs> Do Absolutely. we ever nail that as mums? <laughs> oh dear. You know, I well, it happened yesterday when I got called the day before from the dentist to say my younger son had an appointment in the morning and I was like, okay, yeah, I knew that. <laughs> it doesn't that happen all the time. Yeah. <sighs> We get so many letters as well and, you know, sort of demands, don't we, of, you know, they need this and they need that and they need the other from a school life perspective. And then, as you say, you've got all of these other hats that you've got to wear as well. So it isn't just being, you know, a full time leader and a mum. It's, you know, all of the other things are on your time, plus running marathons, open swimming, all of that that you want to do for you too. So you're doing all of this brilliantly, but I want to pick up there on the the point of balancing your career with being a mom. And you you said in the private sector, you know, some of the challenges around discrimination and and that sort of thing. And I really relate to that. When I first had Finley, I was actually demoted because I asked to go part time. And at the time, I thought that was what I'd have to do. 
And it was only maybe 12 months later when a senior leader said to me, that should never have happened, you know, and he got it overturned. But these things happen all of the time in organizations. And so in your experience, what were some of the challenges you had balancing motherhood with your work in life? A lot of it I've learned in the last few years, actually, as I reflect back. But there is this piece about being kind to yourself and not trying to be everything to everyone. And I love the Brené Brown stuff about courage and vulnerability and and, and all of that. But it's, you know, I've had various points where it has been really tough. And and that's the journey I've been on to sort of learn, learning to be kinder to myself and accepting that, you know, sometimes it's good enough is okay. Oh, there's a statement. (laughs) I love that statement. But, you know, you set yourself high expectations, but sometimes it's about being realistic with those expectations. And the fact that you've turned up at the school with the children in uniform when it's a non-uniform day, you know, or, you know, having the right child in the right place at the right time with the right kit you know, and my children still remember those incidents because they tell me about them frequently. And I think you just say, well, you know, I was making memories. (laughs) 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 You know, you remember going to Scouts and it was slip and slide and you were in your uniform, don't you, George? Yes, I do. Well, then. And I love that making memories. This, you have a knack of taking an experience that might not be so positive but actually giving it a positive slant I love this about you the way that you're able to do this because it's actually when you're unable to do that that you turn into the type of person that will beat themselves up and so it's a really nice lesson for us all to take from you that you can actually just celebrate it as making a memory as you say, and, and, you know, it will be something that in 20 years time, you'll look back and laugh about as opposed to something that you can go and spend the next three weeks beating yourself up about because you're not a good enough mum. Yeah. I have to say though, I've, I've, it's taken a while and that's the, the journey probably the last five or six years in terms of having, maybe having that time and space to sort of understand me a bit more, you know, and understand actually how compassion to yourself is the start of everything else and actually what you need to do to maintain your mental well-being and your mental balance but you know uh, it's kind of you to say but you know it is yeah it's 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 just such a stretch (laughs) I'm so proud of them all oh that's lovely and you do make a good point around the personal growth aspect of this so what I find with with women in particular is the more aware or a more more awareness we have about ourselves and the way that we operate and the things that hold us back and the experiences that we've had, the easier it is actually to become kinder to yourself. And so it's almost an expectation thing as well. I think that, you know, perhaps in your twenties and thirties, it's not quite as easy, but the more sort of you edge towards 40 and beyond, the more time you have to think about you and your relationship with yourself and therefore the more open you can start to be and and as you said be more compassionate so I just Mm. I always think with this be kind to yourself it's important that people just don't take that as a throwaway comment as we were talking about before with the I'm not okay you know it it is the essence of don't just say it but do it too because that's the that's the bit that makes a difference 
Absolutely. And it's, you know, it's learning to, you know, I'm a great believer in the power of gratitude and I've had to really pull on that as I know lots of people have in the last 12 months. Also that, you know, one of the exercises I've done the last sort of couple of months is at the end of each day, just sort of thinking, okay, what, what have I done well today? What have I, you know, what have I nailed today? Not what, you know, okay, not the negative, but the positive personally to allow me to reflect but it's you know it's work in progress work in progress but again you're shining the light on what's right which then helps us to see that abundance rather than the lack all of the time Mm -hmm. which is brilliant so three really powerful proud moments there and some interesting conversation either side and we need to just talk about the development piece if you're happy to share that because I know Mm -hmm. that you've been doing something over the last several months so tell us a little bit more well I've been doing the project me academy which has been really good and that's again given me time and space to think about me and think about what's driving me and what I want what my goals are but in a very gentle and supportive way so not in a way that you've got to get this done and you've got to da, 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 but in a very you know in a very kind way I think that's probably the nicest way of putting it in you know everybody has different challenges and everybody and I, you know this month has been slightly more challenging than last month but it's it's about sort of inching forward but in a very safe and supportive environment which is brilliant and you're super kind bringing project me in there that wasn't my question by the way mm-hmm. i was asking you about your nlp stuff yes i realize that <laughs> but it's really nice of you to talk about project me <laughs> I did realise that as I, as I started. I thought, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, which is why I was. plug there, but thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that, that is. So, but that, you know, that's run alongside. So that's, you know, run this year. But the other, you know, the other piece is doing my master NLP practitioner, which I did my practitioner training two or three years ago. So I've been doing my master prac practitioner. And uh, yeah, that's been a journey. That's been a journey through lockdown, which is nearing its end and again look you know as you know yourself because you've done it, it you learn so much about yourself yeah on that journey and I you know I fixed a few things I've got a few more things to fix on the on the way but again it's testing it's challenging it's allowing me I mean it's it's a tool that will allow me as I work as a coach working with clients to support them and to make yes. a difference and it's just, I mean, I love it. I love, you know, I love, you know, when you're working with people and you see those light bulb moments and you think, oh, yeah, yeah. And, and you, you've just got this, such a relaxed, calm nature. I mean, you know, if you could do hypnotherapy as well at the same time, it would just be amazing because, <laughs> you know, people will just feel safe in your hands. So I can't wait to see where you're going to take that because... I think you're born to do it, to be honest. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So I'm conscious we've been talking for quite a while already and the time feels like it's gone in in a nanosecond. So I need to ask you now the kind of the killer question, which is for you, what do you think is the secret to success? Again, I was was thinking about this and I think there's something for me about just constantly learning, but my standout moment, and I think it, it embeds everything that I do, is the Maya Angelou quote, people won't remember what you do or what you said, but they remember the way you made them feel. And I think that's the, that's my, you know, 
that encompasses how I try and be. And yeah, you know, you don't know what's going on for other people. You you know, you've got no idea often and you just see the outer side of it. So, Mm. you know, just bearing that in mind in terms of just being kind and just, you know, empathetic and compassionate as you work forward so I don't have I answered your question yeah I mean you embody all of those things and what you're saying there is as you say really focus on how you make other people feel so it's really about having your own behaviors in check and and the way that you're showing up in check and there's something else that I just feel compelled to add to that for some reason but you know the other goddess in our life good old Brené Brown talks about this idea of, you know, how do you see the most generous explanation for the other person's behavior? Because often, you know, we are erring on the side of looking to be offended or we're erring on the side of, you know, how's this person wronging me or why does this feel so terrible? And actually, if we can look at their positive intent or or their most generous explanation for their behavior, then that almost ties up the other side of, how do you make somebody feel but how do you receive them too and if we could all work a little bit more like that it'd be so much more harmonious wouldn't it than this sort of polarized Absolutely. world that we seem to be living in now yeah you get people you know you get disagreements and you get people sort of just sort of, you know going off on a tangent immediately and actually the the actual intent was very very different but yes people just you know they've got their own filters they just take you know take a view and so for me there's you know that whole impact piece is just key and you know and it is about how you make people feel and you know people can talk to you if you can you can make people feel that they've got a safe place to talk if you're doing a large you know large event small event one-to-one it doesn't matter it's it's that sort of that that ethos Well, I can't speak for everybody else, but you make me feel calm and very, very relaxed and centred. So thank Thank you you very much for that. And thank you for sharing your wisdom and your inspiration and your motivation and all of your little takeaways and tips, because I'm sure this has helped lots of people. It's been a joy to speak to you today. Thank you, Anne. Well, it's been a pleasure to be on here. I'm absolutely thrilled and I will listen with fascination to all future podcasts. Thank you very much and take good care. I do hope that you enjoyed listening to the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. If you did, be sure to check out the show notes to access all of those important links. For more about me, visit my website at www.angela-cox.co.uk. Now, I'd really love it if you could subscribe to our channel so that you never miss an episode and do leave us a five-star review because it really helps us to get noticed. Bye for now. I do hope that you'll tune in next week and take good care.